let's brainstorm like what's the game you want to make it would be interesting to see if you are a leader of this civilization and then each turn your people come to you as like here are these choices that you have can to like take the next step in this growth of this civilization as president kennedy your challenge is to balance the budget with the pressing needs of a nation on the brink of major social and technological changes will you prioritize space exploration pushing nasa's budget to beat the soviets to the moon or focus on domestic issues ensuring quality and prosperity at home the choice is yours this is really good. Logan, welcome to the show. How's it going, Dan? I'm super excited about this. I'm excited too. Uh, we've been following each other and interacting on Twitter for a long time, so it's like super fun to actually get to meet you face to face. Um, for people who don't know, you are a member of the developer advocacy staff at OpenAI, the first OpenAI employee we've ever had on this show. Woo! So excited. Um, and uh, as part of that, you focus on um, enabling developers to build with um, uh, the OpenAI API and with uh, ChatGPT. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm psyched to have you. Yeah, this is gonna be awesome. And, and I'm super excited that you put this show together to really show like part of the historical challenge of ChatGPT is like showing people the art of the possible. So you doing this is like making all of our lives easier. And we're, we're also doing a bunch of stuff from a product perspective to push on this, but I'm, I'm happy that, that you're, that you're pushing from this angle as well. It's, um, it's important work. Thank you. I, re I really appreciate that. I love the idea of the art of the possible. I feel like that's exactly the thing that ChatGPT opens up for so many people and for me personally. So, so that's, that's really great. Um, so we were talking a little bit in the, in the pre-production call of like what, what we want to talk about, uh, what's, what's most interesting. And I think, uh, one of the things that, that struck me is, um, your role is, um, is to be a developer advocate. Um, but historically, developers have been this like sort of like small component of the population. And um, what's really interesting about ChatGPT is it's uh, creating this world where the the number of people who can become a developer who who can develop things is like is expanding tremendously. Um, both because uh, you can actually code underlying apps with ChatGPT, and because of the thing that you just launched, um, custom GPTs, uh, which allow you to create custom versions of uh, of ChatGPT for specific use cases. So, like, tell us a little bit about custom GPTs. Tell us why, and tell us why you're excited about them. Yeah, the being able to build GPTs is is probably like the biggest unlock since ChatGPT itself came out. We we actually use the we classify everybody who's building GPTs as as quote unquote builders to kind of uh, not make people who are hear the word developer and are scared or say mm. like oh that's not me like I'm not I don't fall into that persona. Mm. Um, and we we give this flexibility of. Uh, you know, using the GPT builder, using the custom configuration when you're creating a GPT, you don't need to know how to code at all. Um, mm. If you do know how to code, there's a ton of stuff that you can do, but you can actually make something that is like materially much more useful than base chat GPT itself yeah. uh, without writing a single line of code. Also, now there's companies like uh, like Zapier is a great example of this, where Zapier has this whole guide of how you can integrate Zapier's tools into your custom GPT without having to write any code. And I think that's like a huge unlock. And I do think that's also like the direction that we're pointing with GPTs is allowing people to do a lot more without having to write any of the code themselves. Today, it's, it's like, like, yeah. yeah. Um, no, I, I think that I think that's really great. 
I've been using it. I have um, I have a, G- a GPT specifically for doing dream interpretations. So mm. um, when, I, when I wake up, I have a little dream. I throw it in there and it just gives me a little bit of analysis. And then it does a picture with Dolly and it's like really great. And I use it a lot. Um, but I have a bunch of other ones. I've, I was actually working this weekend on one um, where I want to... Uh, I want to be able to do a chat with it and then have it save the notes from its from my chat into Notion. Um, mm. And so I'm hooking it up to the Notion API. I got a little stuck on it, but one of the things I, I think is really cool, you know, you talked about the GPT builder, and that is a that is a GPT that lets you build GPTs. So it's sort of like yep. GPTs all the way down. And I think that's <laughs> a a really important um, thing for people to to notice and realize is that as you start stacking AI on top of each other, you get extra leverage where. Um, now you have a GPT builder that lets you build GPTs and, and, and that, that lets you build more things more quickly than you would ordinarily. Yeah. And it's not, you, it's, it's interesting because you don't, uh, when you use the GPT builder, it like doesn't feel like you're using a GPT, which is interesting. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of cool that like, as you abstract out of like the interface where like people are very aware that this is some specific tool, like you also like kind of lose the fact that it's like AI all the way down. Like it feels like some other system that we built, which Mm -hmm. I think speaks to the general reasoning sort of uh, reasoning engine capabilities that, that large language models have, which is really interesting. Yeah, that's really cool. So, uh, so we're going to get into, we're going to build something together with, with, we're going to build a custom GPT together, which I think would be super fun before we do that. I know you, um, you know, we always like to talk about historical use cases or, or just ways that you use ChatGPT yourself. And I know there's a, there's another custom GPT you might want to talk about, but yeah, generally like tell us like how you're using, um, ChatGPT and custom GPTs in your, in your own life and in your own work as a place to get started. Yeah, I think the biggest, highest leverage thing for me as somebody who's like still doing engineering work on a daily basis is, is coding stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't have any, I'm, I know there's a ton of like really useful GPTs around like coding and making stuff. Most of them have been historically focused on like, low code type of like, you know, give me a single line prompt and I'll like go and build you this thing. And like, that's mm-hmm. not the use case that like, I'm more around like, I'm not a, uh, Next.js expert, and like I'm in a Next.js code base, or I'm in a TypeScript code base, and I'm like trying to build something or add a new feature. And um, I'm not formally trying, like I, you know, have a computer science background, but I'm not formally trained as a web developer, and never did that as my job. So it's, you know, I'm always asking ChatGPT the really, really dumb questions, and um, the you'd be surprised the number of features that are exist on our API platform that were built because ChatGPT helped me like the feedback thumbs up, thumbs down is a great example of that when there's a outage in the API and like there's a little pop-up that shows up dynamically. Yeah. Like all of that was built by ChatGPT itself, which yeah. is really cool. Yeah. That, that, I think that, that I, I think that's, that, that makes a lot of sense. And um, it, it sort of dovetails with the thing that I've been writing about or thinking about a lot is ChatGPT's facility at summarizing and once you start to see how good it is at summarizing, you see summaries everywhere in your life and in everything that you do. And I think that that is true also of developing where people would be surprised if you're not a developer, how often being a developer is just summarizing the API docs or summarizing a Stack Overflow answer into your into your code base or whatever. And it sounds like that's that's a lot of what you're doing is like, you know, 
there are some parts of programming that are like really you're doing fundamentally new stuff that no one's ever really done before. And in that case, like ChatGPT might be sort of helpful to like think it through or whatever, but it's not going to be as helpful. But most of developing is really just like stacking bricks that have already been laid in a, in a slightly different configuration than they've been laid before for your specific use case. And that's where I think it, it like shines so much because it's so good at knowing what people have done in the past and just like writing a little snippet for your specific scenario. Yeah, it's, it also has been really helpful to me, like as I look at like, a, you know, 300 lines of code and not, you know, I, I kind of understand, like I, I read the code that's like right around the thing that I'm trying to make an addition to or a modification. Mm-hmm. But like, I, I don't in my personal context window, I don't have all 300 lines of code. Yeah. Um, and it's really helpful, like when I then go and bring that into ChatGPT and say, you know, here's all the code, like ChatGPT now actually has all 300 lines of that code yeah. in its context window, and it can more effectively solve the problem, honestly, than I can, because it's really difficult to like, take 300 new lines of code, understand it, and actually conceptualize yeah. how you can make some modification to it. That makes sense. And I guess I, I have to ask, because you're sort of, you're you're in this like really interesting position where you're, you're at OpenAI, you're watching all the progress, you have access to internal stuff, you're a developer yourself. How is, how is using ChatGPT, making custom GPTs, seeing the progress internally at OpenAI, how is that changing what you think the future of being a developer is um like is learning to code still a thing like um you know how are you thinking about this over the next year five years all that's all that stuff yeah learning to code is still definitely a thing i think if if you're looking for the highest leverage thing that you can do in your life learn to code Mm -hmm. um I think this will continue to be the case in, in the next five to 10 years as well. My, mm-hmm. my expectation is that, um, folks will be able to solve probably 10 to 20 X. And that's like going to continue up this exponential curve of like the difficulty of, mm-hmm. um, how conceptually hard the products and the, the services are that you want to build just by yourself. Like to mm-hmm. me today, I feel like if you had taken me back two years ago, I feel like I can solve 10 X more ambitious problems. I have some idea in my head. Um, you know, I want to build like a restaurant application. Like I can actually go and build that myself. Yeah. And like two years ago, I would have been like, yeah, that's probably like a little bit too yeah. much. Like maybe I'll go hire someone to like help me do that. And like, yeah. I think continuing up that exponential curve, like soon I'm going to be able to like build an entire like empire of, you know, products and services for my company just by myself. Yeah. And I, I don't think like three years ago, people would not have imagined they can do that. And that's yeah. why like, I, I still think it's like developing today is one of the highest leverage things that you can do. But in two to three years and five years, like it is going to be even higher leverage. And like the gap between people who can, who can code and who can't code, like is going to continue to grow. And I think the nice part is like, AI can help bridge that gap, but yeah. there will always be limitations on like the no code tools as yeah. far as like what you can build. Like you yeah. need to understand how the systems work. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. I mean, you're you're, you're speaking my language here because um, I'm a you know I'm running a I'm running a small company where I uh, you know I write a lot, I I do courses, and we develop software products, and and it's a it's a small profitable lean team. And the thing that I love so much about tools like this is like we can go so far with the with a small group of smart people that we have because now we all we all have ChatGPT, and I think you're totally right. Like it 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 lowers the bar to getting started on something so much that for me like a project that i never would have attempted before because it would be like i only have a couple hours here like i can suddenly do it 
and it's out in the world. And that is like the coolest thing ever. Like, I think that's one thing that people don't quite understand. I actually talked about this a little bit with, um, I had Tyler Cowan on the, on the podcast last week. And I actually talked about this a little with him where, um, for, uh, for really skilled people, um, it can, um, it can increase your, uh, like, you know, your productivity where you're, 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 you're slightly faster, but, um, but it also allows you to do things that you never would have done before because the bar would have been too high to get started. Like there's an activation energy to making projects. And I think that that's, that's incredibly cool. And I think you're also right for, it, it does something where if you can't code at all, you can suddenly make stuff and it would be better if you understood the underlying technology and that, and that'll work. But the, the really cool thing is, um, I teach this um, this chatbot class where people learn how to how to build a chatbot. It's not a, it's not with GPTs. It's like actual under underlying make the whole thing, make a web app, all that kind of stuff. Um, but you use ChatGPT to like help you code, and it takes people from you know have never developed in their life to like I built and shipped an app um, in thirty days. And it's like so cool to watch them be able to make stuff because like every, they, all, they all have ideas, but they they've never been able to like put them out in the world before. And ChatGPT becomes this thing that enables them to do it. And also it gives them a lot of motivation to like learn the underlying fundamentals because previously um, – if you wanted to learn to code, you you spend like six months like learning if statements and for loops and like all this stuff where you're like, I have no idea how this like levels up into the app I want to build. Um, and what ChatGPT does is like day one, you make the thing that you want to make. And then day two, you run into some bugs and you're like, well, I guess I have to figure out what an if statement is. Um, but you now have like a lot of motivation to do it. And I think it's and, and ChatGPT can explain it to you. And it's just it's just really, really cool. And I, that, that resonates with me so much. And I'm, I'm after we're done recording this, I'm going to have to get the clip out and, and play it back to myself every, every month or something like that, because it, <laughs> it really like this, this technology is what is going to be the thing, the catalyst to enable like the next billion people to learn to code. Like yeah. there was not enough computer science educators and resources on the planet to teach the next billion people to code. Like it was not going to happen. And I think it's so crazy to think that because we have LLMs, like people are actually going to be empowered to go and do this in like a way that's personalized and empowering to them specifically. Like that's, that might be like the real thing that ends up being like the most beneficial of this technology um, of, of all the things that it can do. I think so. Yeah. It's like, it expands access to being able to build significantly. And I think that's like, that's the coolest thing. Um, It's beautiful. Yeah. And with that, maybe we can get into some building. Um, so I think you wanted, before we start actually building something together, which we're going to do, I think you wanted to show me a, a custom GPT just to like sort of wet, wet our appetites. Give us a GPT that you built. Tell us about um, why you built it and what it is um, and why you think it's interesting to look at. Yeah, 100%. Let me let me get my screen share pulled up and then we'll... All right. So we're, we're in the GPT store. Um, so I was lucky enough to be able to build uh, Planty, which is a a little um, a little play on words. If folks watch the um, OpenAI Dev Day back in November, there was a customer video of people talking about like how how they were using ChatGPT, how it's impacted their life, and there was this incredibly cute old man who came on um, with like a really grainy video sitting in his in his office, and he was talking about how how Chatty has sort of. Um, unlocked all these use cases and he was referring to ChatGPT as That's Chatty so and it was really funny. cool to see this like <laughs> uh, 
yeah, to, to see him get that value and, and have that relationship with, um, with this tool. So Planty's a little bit of a play on words with, with that. And, um, the whole concept was, was literally sitting on the couch with my, uh, with my girlfriend and we were thinking of like, what are the cool things that, that we should build for people? Um, and she's not somebody who's an AI, but she's somebody who loves, uh, houseplants and gardening and everything like that. The first thing out of her mouth, so all credit goes to her, um, was like, we should build Planty. And it's really designed as a, uh, like a houseplant caretaker and, she has a monstera and she needed to like do some, some stuff with the, with the roots. Um, that was a little bit over my head from like a plant technical perspective. Mm-hmm. And she went in and, um, as we were building plants, he used it to actually solve that problem. I got my older brother for, for Christmas, a lemon tree. And as soon as it got into our apartment, all of the leaves are gone. It looks very desolate. So, um, I put out a tweet about how if Planty can save this lemon tree, um, I'm, I'm a, I'm a deep believer in AI. And, um, really you can, you can do things like just ask simple questions, um, or get like really tactical and like upload images and be like, you know, here's the color of my, of the leaf of this plant. Um, why is it, why is it like that? And it really unlocks again, like ChatGPT could do some of these things, but providing a bunch of guardrails to allow it to be able to do this and like, you know, giving it this friendly personal feel, I think is like actually brings to life what's possible with this, with this GPT. Yeah. Tell me about that. Like, how would I know whether or not I should like use a, uh, a GPT or make a GPT versus just like vanilla ChatGPT? That's a great question. I think that this is, I think, one of the tricky trade-offs today. I think what will end up over time being the way you answer this question is like social signals. Like I think people will probably like come up with um, a bunch of, yeah, like if, if, you know, you have a plant question and there's like a hundred thousand people who said that planty was the thing that solved their problem, like you'll probably just go there because that's like what it seems like you should socially do. Yeah. Um I do think like the interesting thing for people to keep in mind is like behind all the scenes, behind everything, like it is inherently ChatGPT that is still answering these questions. So it's like, it's not some net new capability. Yeah. I think the thing that we did with Planty is like grounding it in very specific stuff. Like if it needs to go and look something up, like it goes to a bunch of like specific websites that we like pre-vetted as like places of authority that you should go to instead of like, I don't know. We want to sell you plantstuff.com, which like might have a biased perspective. So there are a few like nuances to how it's how it's being built. Um, but again, fundamentally, it's uh, it really is just ChatGPT behind the scenes with like a few layers of abstraction on top of it. That's really cool. So I actually have a bunch of plants, as you can probably see. I have a I have a little I have a fiddly fig um, in my in my apartment, and I actually do have a question randomly. Um, that, that might be, might be worth doing. I, uh, I, I, we, we, uh, I don't see your screen anymore. Um, yeah, I just switched it to plenty. Okay. <laughs> Would love to see the question. Let's, let's do it. I'm curious. Well, I'm curious what plenty suggestion is. Here's the, here's the thing. I have this fiddle leaf fig. Fiddle leaves are supposedly like very finicky and like hard to, hard to take care of, but I've had it for like four years or five years or six years or something like that. And I just like water it like every week and a half or something. And it's like, it's doing pretty well. Every once in a while, a leaf will fall off and I, I freak out, but then it's fine. Um, and, um, but one of the things that I don't know is like, I think you're supposed to like repot these things at some point, but I just don't know when to do that or like how to do that. And I'm just wondering if I'm like, like 
artificially constraining my plant and I should be repotting it um, and how I would know. Is it a, you said it was a fiddle? Fiddle leaf fig. Fiddle leaf fig. How and when should I repot my fiddle leaf fig? And so you correct I, your typos in ChatGPT because I never correct my typos. <laughs> I just type like a maniac. Is that a, is that a bad uh, thing? I do type like my maniac, but it's more of a habit thing where like if I stop correcting my typos in this, then I'll stop at everything else. <laughs> then people will be pissed at me because I'm typing like a maniac on Slack or whatever it is. That's so funny. Um, it's, just, it's just funny doing this show because I like I'm typing stuff a lot in screen shares that get recorded and broadcast like thousands of people. And I'm just like, like, I it looks like I'm in third grade or whatever. And I'm like, I swear <laughs> I can actually type. I just don't do that for ChatGPT. <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm chronically a bad speller, so I need to um, mm. I need to do it. So I asked the question of how and when should I repot my fiddle leaf fig? Uh, what are the trade offs from not repotting it? I think touching on like the artificially constraining it. Um, so it's interesting. Earth's when spurt. to repot? So it it said repotting your fiddle leaf fig can be quite the adventure. <laughs> Is that part of your uh, your personality you gave it? What? <laughs> Yeah, it is. It is. Like, I think it's supposed to be this, like, friendly, exciting thing that's, like, helping you instead of, like, I think by default, ChatGPT is, like, pretty generic about, like, just trying yeah. to give you this information. So I think it brings yeah. it to life a little bit. Okay, cool. And if you scroll up, um, it says, repot your fiddle leaf ideally during the growing season, which is spring or early summer. Um, take, a, take a peek at the drainage hole at the bottom of the pot. If you see roots starting to circle around or peek through, it's time for a bigger home. Mm. I mean... I'm going to just check that real quick. Uh, give me one I'm second. Curious. We'll see how yeah, it goes. Yeah, I'm super curious. Uh, see roots starting to circle around or peek through. Hold on. <laughs> there are like literally roots like coming out of, of the side of the pot. It's not peeking through. It's like they're, they've grown out and they're like coming out onto the basically almost onto the floor. So... <laughs> I think I need to I repot it. I think that's it. your sign. Yeah, thank yeah. you, Planty. <laughs> we figured it out. How to repot it. This is perfect. Yeah. yeah. Find a pot that's two, about two or three inches larger in diameter than the current one. Make sure it has some good drainage holes. Add some fresh potting to the, to the bottom of the new pot. Fiddle leaf figs like well draining. Gently remove the plant. Check the roots. And, uh, and, and place your fiddle leaf in a new pot and fill around it with more... What I want to know, so here's my, here's my last question is like, I'm super lazy. Um, and I, I am not going to like figure out the diameter of the pot and like do all this stuff. Like, can, is there some way I can get someone to do this for me? Hmm. Where do you live? I'm in uh, Fort Greene in Brooklyn. Fort Greene, you said? Yeah. See, there's my recommendations typo. Horrible <laughs> word to type. Uh, so it's saying, so you said, are there services or ways I can get someone to do this for me? Any specific recommendations for someone in Fort Greene? 
And Planty says, absolutely, getting some help with repotting your plants is a great idea, especially if you're not up for a DIY project or if your fiddle leaf is getting a bit too hefty to handle on your own. Definitely too hefty to handle for me. Um, in Fort Green, you're in luck because it's a vibrant area. Definitely. Thank you, Planty. Uh, with lots of plant-loving folks and services. And it gave some, gen- I would say, generic recommendations like local nurseries and garden centers although it did give us give a couple specifics within that saying natty garden or greenery unlimited um are those real places i don't know i I don't know i'm i'm not up on the on the local plant uh caretaking services in uh in fort green but i would love for you to check it out um it also recommended task websites like task rabbit or thumbtack um or plant care services like the sill which i definitely know is real uh a friend of mine's wife runs that company um so uh definitely got some good directions. Um maybe, you know, after this episode is over, I will I will get it taken care of and and we'll do a part two where um where uh I update I update you on on the progress of my fiddle leaf. Um but it looks like so it looks like you're you you looked it up and Natty Natty Garden is real. It's a real place. They it looks nice too. I'm like, <laughs> I, I kind of want to go to Natty Garden. This looks like <laughs> it would be a good time regardless of, um, of if you get your plant repotted there or not. Great. Well, I will be, I will be checking out Natty Garden after the episode. Um, and I'll, I'll send you pictures. Uh, <laughs> this episode is not sponsored by Natty Garden, but it looks like an incredible local, local community store. So, <laughs> Um, cool. That, that's great. I, I love Planty. I think it's, I think it's a, it's a cool little idea. And, um, I think my fiddle leaf is probably pretty happy that, that you showed that to me as well. Um, but, um, now I want to move us on to the main event. So, um, so, you know, I told you that one of the, one of the really fun things about this show is getting to make something together or do something with ChatGPT that like we, we, we're, we're both sort of like, well, is this going to work? Um, and, and that's, that's sort of the magic of it. So you proposed, um, making a game. Um, in the GBT builder. Um, and I wanted to start with like, why, why did you propose that? Why do you think that's exciting? Yeah, I think there's, if you were to think about how you would have had to do something like this pre GPTs, uh, pre chat, even, even just pre GPTs, like just with chat, chat GPT and plugins, I've been brainstorming this idea for a while. of like, I would love to like take people through, you know, if you've played like civilization or empire earth or like any of those games that are like situation based where you're like building an empire over time. Um, it's like, uh, those were always fun to me. And like, it really brings history to life, especially if you can like sprinkle in like actual facts about like real things that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and without GPTs, it was impossible to do this. Like you would have had to like, I as the developer or user would have had to like pay to generate these images, like each individual image, it would have like cost me money. Um, all these other things that like would have like the constraints of, of building it. It's just like, it's actually kind of hard to do. And it's a non-trivial amount of work. I think the cool thing now with GPTs is you can use the GPT builder. You can sort of have it take care of a lot of like the nuances of like the game design. And, mm-hmm. um, we can use built in Dolly. We can use built in browsing to like pull in facts in real time, mm-hmm. keep track of things for you. Um, potentially use like code interpreter to like do some like actual like simulations of like, I don't know. I don't know if we can like simulate battles or like statistical <laughs> likelihoods of things, but like it's, it's incredible what will be possible with this. So I'm, I'm really excited. And also it's one of the areas that I think, specifically because there's not a category right now. Yeah. It's a little bit underexplored. Like there's not really, uh, um, you know, if you look at the trending categories in the GPT store, like there's not really a ton of games that are in there, mm-hmm. if, if any games at all. So I think it's an opportunity for us. 
That's really interesting. I'm, I'm, I wonder why, cause I, I know, you know, in the eighties and seventies, like during the first PC revolution, like muds where you're, it's like all text-based games were like super, super popular. And it feels like, it feels like kind of an obvious thing to, to try. I wonder what, um, what's, what's holding people back. Uh, have, have you seen any at all? I have seen a few. So the actually the most interesting one was this game in the which was one of the most popular plugins and it was called Algorithma. And mm-hmm. it was uh this guy and his and his daughter, I'm pretty sure, learned the daughter learned to code to build Algorithma mm-hmm. and ended up like scaling it to the point of like they had like five million unique users or something like wow. that, or five million like users over the course of a few months mm-hmm. um, who used Algorithma. And it's like actually like a little kid who who built this thing. And like it was actually fun to play. It was crazy. And that I talked to the dad and he was saying how they used um how like she was using AI and ChatGPT to like help her build this. So it's a great example of the theme of like people being empowered to build cool things. Um, yeah, I think that was probably the biggest one. I haven't seen their their GPT, but I'm guessing it's it's doing a bunch of really cool stuff. Got it. That's awesome. So, so opportunity, some white space for us. Um, maybe maybe this is the next big big thing. Um, maybe we'll do it live. Um, so, I think I guess to start, like, yeah, let's let's brainstorm. Like, what what are the what's the game you want to make? Like, let's um, if you if you have a couple ideas, like throw it out, and I can I can help I can help refine. Yeah, I think it would be cool to, and I think this is like, you know, maybe the decision for us to decide is like, do we want it to take it like a purely like fun and exciting like um, type of vibe? Or like, is there some like educational component? Like, would we want people to be able to like learn about history as they go through this? I think there's a trade off either way. Like, in some sense, people just want to escape and play some fun game, but mm-hmm. there could be some value. And like, maybe we can like have a toggle where like we let people at the beginning of the game decide like, do are you here for fun or are you here just to to like actually like learn about stuff as well as you go through? Here's my feeling. I don't like I think the core of a game or really most content like has to be it's like about fun. Um it's about like creating an amazing experience and if you happen to learn something along the way, I think that's that's amazing. Like this podcast is sort of similar. It's like um ideally it's like super fun to listen to and like you happen to learn something along the way but um we don't want to like jam in the educational stuff to like you know because then that's that gets boring so but but i think what i hear you saying is like um history is kind of like an interesting thing for you and like having part of this be a like use history in some way would be kind of fun um uh do you have any specific ideas for like how to incorporate history into a game like this Yeah, it would be, I'm curious if you, if the idea of like, and and maybe there's, maybe history is too dark for this and it it won't work, but I was like playing as like different, like, um, like different world leaders or something like that. And and maybe we need to make up something so that we avoid all the darkness (laughs) because history is a very dark thing. Um, maybe, maybe that's the route that we want to go so that we avoid, like I was, you know, thinking of like Julius Caesar or something like, like, I'm sure Julius Caesar's done a bunch of horrible things and we might want to try to recreate that in a, in a game. But, um, it would be interesting to see if we can like follow, like you are a leader of this civilization and like you get to choose, you know, make all the, and then, and then each turn, each game turn mm-hmm. is like your advisors or like your people are like, come to you as like, you know, here are these choices that you have mm-hmm. uh, to, that. to like take the next step in this, in the growth of this civilization. And I think that's yeah. great. I love that. And it would be fun. It's like, 
you can pick maybe you can pick any like a, a couple of like big historical turning points or events and like see if you can do it better it's like mm. um you're uh you're jfk deciding about the bay of pigs um like whether to do the invasion and like each turn someone's coming to you and you have to make some decisions and you have to decide make all, make all the decisions to see if you can make the bay of pigs either just don't do it or like make it work out or something like that maybe we could pick a couple a couple historic events where it seems like um like things went wrong and it's like can you do it better do you think you could do it better than uh than jfk <laughs> or like uh, <laughs> i like that i like that i think the key, the key for me is finding things that are uh uncontroversial enough or ones that we we both have enough information where like i i just have so little context on the bay of pigs other than that it happened where i'm like i don't know if i me neither um, I'm, I'm sort of making that up but yeah let's let's find let's find something that feels um that feels like it's it would be easy to easy to do and uh or not easy to do but like find something that feels like it would be good um and not not get too dark um yeah i'm curious if we can do um if this is a good thing to ask ChatGPT about by the way yeah this is i i think the the two two that come to mind that would be really interesting is like potentially like some of the um like land purchases that the u.s made like mm -hmm. back in our like early founding history of like, you know, should you like what happens to the like play out the scenario of the world if we don't make certain land purchases and like, mm -hmm. how does that structure like if, mm -hmm. you know, we're sharing North America with, with other people or potentially like the, I don't know if you've seen the, um, that show on Apple TV about what happens if the Russians beat the U S to the moon. But I think that could be an interesting one of like playing out that scenario as well. I like that. Um, so I think land purchases are a little bit, I don't know, they're a little colonial Dull. for me. Uh, yeah, that's, I'm with that. I'm with that. <laughs> it's giving imperialism. Um, yeah. But, uh, but, uh, but the moon is kind of cool. I think the, 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 the interesting thing is I feel like a, the way this game probably has to work is like you're, you're doing, I mean, I guess we could say like, you're the director of NASA and, um, uh, you know, the, before the Apollo missions, uh, were the Gemini missions, um, and Gemini, like, uh, uh I, I think one of them, the, one of the later ones like blew up and a bunch of people died and it was like, are we going to keep going? And it's like, maybe you're the director of NASA and, uh, you have to, uh, you have to figure out how to get the Apollo program off the ground or something and get get us to the moon or something like that it could be could be kind of fun but i, I like really that. think i think I, I think we should be refining in chat gpt i think that would yeah, be really let's helpful. do it yeah let's go in and start building um i was also thinking like there's there's probably a, a separate game which maybe we don't make in, in the context of this but around uh deciding how the u.s spends their um uh like budget every year and how potentially like the different allocations lead to like some like That's very really different good. outcomes. Yeah. I love, like I, I love that. Would you rather do that? Well, which one, which one are you more excited about? <laughs> we I'm, I'm happy for either. I feel like the U S budget one, uh, <laughs> who knows, maybe it could be very optimistic and very positive if, if we don't spend a, a ton of stuff on uh military budget, but I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. I feel like, um, yeah. Potentially controversial, potentially not. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm happy either way. All right, I, you, you're going to need to make a uh, make a call here because I want to do, I want to do whatever, whatever is, uh, whatever excite is exciting to you. So, like, tell me, tell me which one. We're, we're going to make you, we're going to make you make a choice. Tell me which one you, you want to do. 
Yeah, let's let's do uh, let's do your president, um, and you, you get to sort of choose the time period or choose the president, and then we'll mm-hmm. we'll have ChatGPT dynamically pull up like the budget of the U.S. government and the allocation of funds, and then let you sort of reallocate and then like play out American history potentially um, right. with with different allocations of budgets and see and see how that uh, right. see that how affects the outcome of the world. Let's do it. Um, I love it. I love that. Uh, should we like, yeah, should we, should we throw it into ChatGPT and, and have ChatGPT refine it? Or do you want to like go right into the, into the building configuration type thing? Let's, let's do, let's use the GPT builder and see if it's, um, I feel like I've been using this recently and it's been, uh, helping me like get to the point of like having something that's really interesting that we can always like jump out and go into a different window and like okay. have it do something a little bit more verbose for us if we need to. All right. So we are here in the GPT builder. Um, we've created a new GBT and we've said, uh, we want to make a game. The core concept is that you get to choose which president you want to be. And then ChatGPT will go and search the U.S. government budget, distribution of spending in that budget, and then let the user reallocate the budget and then play out the world with, with that updated al- allocation. And um, one of the things that I think is interesting about this prompt that you gave me is um, we're not asking it to uh, help us refine specifically. We're just like letting it go straight, straight ahead. And I think that that, that has to do with some nuances about how the GBT, GBT builder works and, and its instructions. I'm curious if you want to tell us really briefly about that. Yeah, the, the GPT builder behind the scenes and folks can see we've we've um, sort of opened the, the the source instructions for the GPT builder itself, but um, it is doing a little bit of this refinement. We could probably and, and maybe we should try this and see if we can iterate on it once we've actually gotten what it outputted. But mm-hmm. um, it does do a little a little bit of that like prompt engineering magic behind the scenes uh, for us, which is which is nice so that you don't have to spend time doing that. I see. Cool. So if I went into the configure page, you, I would see the instructions yeah. that it wrote. And it says, the GPT's role is to assist in creating a game where players choose to be a U.S. president and reallocate the government budget. Based on the user's allocation, the GPT will simulate and describe the outcomes of these financial decisions. It should access and interpret data from the U.S. government's budget and spending, providing insights and hypothetical scenarios. The GPT must ensure accurate representation of data and responsible handling of historical and political content. So what you're saying is like, yeah, it's sort of like rewrote it in an interesting way to uh, to, to create a game beyond what we said in our initial prompt, which is kind of interesting. Um, and so now it says to start shaping the GPT, let's to start shaping this GPT. Let's give it a name that reflects its unique role. How about budget commander? What do you think? Budget commander. Should we keep going? How are you feeling about it? Yeah, let's, I, I like like a good, um, a good one word. If it can mm. come up with something that's like, mm. a, I don't know if it'll be able to do that or not, but, okay. um, one word name. Can you find, I'm saying I like a good one word name. Can you find, can you find one for me? Um, Something, something not boring. Hopefully, we'll see. Budget <laughs> commander is a little like eh. Alicado. <laughs> oh, I like Alicado. That's not horrible. That is what, not horrible. What about allocator? Um, could be kind of could be sure. kind of interesting because I feel like Alicado is like not necessary. I don't think that's a real word. A real word. But the really interesting thing is I just published this piece about um, how the knowledge economy is over and the, and the allocation economy is beginning where mm. in a knowledge economy, you are, uh, your, your economic value is sort of pegged to what you know and being able to bring to bear what you know to the task at hand. And in an AI world, uh, it's a little bit more about 
um, knowing how to allocate resource resources because in a lot of ways you're abstracting you're abstracting yourself out of a lot of uh, certain day-to-day tasks and so knowing how to allocate the resources of intelligence to do those tasks and how to edit them or whatever you're you be become in a lot of ways a manager and so you're learning how to allocate resources so i kind of like allocator because it's a uh, it's a uh, uh, reference to my, I mean, it's, it's an unknowing reference to something that I've been thinking about a lot. So um, I, I like the name allocator. Uh, so I'm saying I like the name allocator. Let's go with that. Um, great. The other thing to keep in mind as you're building uh, GPTs is like uh, this. And, and I don't think allocator is going to be one of the ones that ends up having conflicts, but mm-hmm. um, you really do want to, if you're like trying to build something that a lot of people are going to use, like you want to kind of own the SEO space and like mm-hmm. the more, the more generic that you make the name, like the more polluted it'll be as somebody is trying to find it. So it's just like a general tip as you're, as you're thinking about this, like you want people to be able to find what you're building. So name it something such that people will actually be able to find it. That makes sense. That makes sense. So it's given us a profile picture for allocator. It says it's designed in a futuristic sci-fi style and it's sort of, yeah, it's sort of, uh, it's like abstract futuristic. y looks like there's technology and metal and lasers going on, but like, I don't really, it's not, um, I think that's not, the vibe. Yeah. I, <laughs> I don't think it's quite, it's not quite the vibe. Um, cause we're talking about like historical stuff and, and, yeah. and a president like allocating resources. So maybe I'll say like, um, I don't think that's the vibe. Um, uh, this game is about historical events and the president allocating resources. Can we, um, can we do something more like that? I would add something about the simulation perhaps as well. Cause I'm wondering okay. if that will, I feel like, I feel like what we're going to get now is like the president sitting on like a stack of gold <laughs> coins or something like that, which maybe, maybe we'll be okay. Maybe that's what we want, but I'm curious to see okay. if it takes it. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Um, yeah. I so mean, this, this yeah. profile picture, it looks like it's a, like the, imagine the declaration of independence with like a big presidential stamp <laughs> seal right in the middle of it is, <laughs> is what it looks like. And a bunch of like really, really tiny written text around the sides. It's um, giving can't really see. like, it's giving video game made from that Nicolas Cage movie. Um, yes. Uh, uh, <laughs> I, I forgot national treasure. Yeah. It's, 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 I love national the treasure. custom GPT for national treasures is sort of what it, what it looks <laughs> that like. Is, that, that's a great example. Um, uh, what do you think? Uh, should we keep going? Should we, should we add simulation? Um, or are we, are we good with, with national treasure as a, as a jumping off point? Maybe, maybe we take national treasure as a jumping okay. off point just to see if we can borrow Nicholas Cage's brand and, and okay. get him involved in some capacity. <laughs> Maybe um, cool. the new framing is we we bring Nicolas Cage into this as this the, could be good <laughs> <laughs> as the Easter egg. Yeah, or Nicolas Cage is like when when the dolly does the drawing. Nicolas Cage is the president. That could be that could be pretty good. Yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, if we don't run into content restrictions, that is um, that that is going to cause content restrictions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so I'll say cool. This looks good. Um, what's next? Is that, is that okay? How do you feel about that? Yeah. 
Okay. So basically I'm just, I'm going to, I'm going to accept our national treasure looking, um, image and then, um, it's going, and now it's talking, now it's asking me, now let's refine the behavior of allocator to ensure it aligns with your vision for the game. We'll, we'll start by discussing its role and goals. Could you tell me more about how you envision allocator interacting with users? For example, should it focus more on providing historical facts or in creating immersive hypothetical scenario scenarios based on budget decisions? I feel like it needs to do both. And I think the thing that like most people are going to struggle with is like the, there needs to be some like foundational core mechanics of this game. And like, I'm not somebody who knows how to build games and like what those core mechanics could be. So I wonder if we should tell the GPT builder that like we need it as the expert on or with its expert knowledge on like how to build, uh, like extremely fun and engaging scenario based games to leverage that expertise to like come up with a framework for for the actual uh for this allocator game okay so what i'm writing is i feel like it needs to do both there needs to be some kind of foundational core mechanics of this game and i'm not really sure what those should be we're not experts um we need your expert knowledge on how to build extremely fun and engaging scenario-based games to come up with a framework for actual for the actual gameplay mechanic and the thing i want to point out is one of the things that you said is like we need your expert knowledge on how to build extremely fun and engaging scenario scenario-based games like Tell me about why you included that. I think it's it's literally about like empowering the the GPT and in, in this case the GPT builder to like have agency that it knows how to solve this problem and like mm-hmm. leverage its domain specific. Like by default, the answer that you'll get would be like very basic and perhaps like not following the best practices. Yeah. Um, once you sort of influence it to know that it's like an expert in that field is like one yeah. of the prompt engineering techniques that folks often recommend. Yeah, definitely making it more specific, asking it to simulate being an expert. I'm curious, like, do you have any specific like scenario based games that you're thinking of that we could even get even more, more into that you think could be inspirations for this? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I mean, I think the two games and they're not scenario based, but they're mm-hmm. like the closest allocation or like the closest example to this is like I played Civilization growing up and mm-hmm. I played Age of Empires growing up. Mm-hmm. And those are probably the two examples. But those are those are a little bit like different games, but maybe we could take inspiration from that. OK, so I'm saying I'm adding a couple of games that are inspiring to us are Civilization, um, which if I could spell it and um <laughs> <laughs> I'm falling into correcting my spelling mistakes here. Uh, the, the GBT builder, I'm, I'm less comfortable making errors in front of because I don't know what it'll do. Um, inspiring us to, uh, to us, our civilization and age of empires. They aren't, they aren't exactly the same as the game we're making, but, um, uh, the vibes are an inspiration. Um, it's all about vibes with these, yeah, with these GPTs. Yeah, all about vibes. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to hit enter. Are we good with that? Yeah, let's see. Okay, it. Let's let's see what happens. <clears throat> I've got a good feeling. Yeah, this is going to be the best think- Nicolas Cage video game ever created. <laughs> Nicholas Cage needs to be like the um, like the assistant that like comes in. Your like trusted advisor, whoever the <laughs> yeah. president is, is Nicholas Cage in all of these. Like he comes in or, out of nowhere. Or in order to avoid content restrictions, it's like Kickless Nage, you know? Um. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so it said, now that we have a clearer idea of Allocator's role, let's think about what should be emphasized or avoided in its interactions. For instance, are there specific historical periods or presidents you want to focus on? Also, how should Allocator handle sensitive topics that might arise from political discussions? So 
I think we were expecting a bit of like um, back and forth with it about um, here's uh, here's what I think it should be. Here's the mechanic. But it 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 sort of just plowed ahead. I'm curious how you would handle this. Yeah, the the reason why it's it's just plowing ahead and perhaps there's not enough like nuance in the instructions that it has, but it's really like following this like step one. And then at mm-hmm. the end of each step, there's literally a command that says like go to step two. I um, see. So I think we we probably would want to like need to add some like tweak to those instructions to be like, mm-hmm. hey, like maybe give the user some inf- some input and then like uh, let them go back and forth on some of these things. Otherwise, like as it stands today, it literally is just going to like keep plowing. And I'm curious right. if we go to configure, if we can yeah. see what it added. Okay, um, cool. So we're going to click configure and configure is sort of like we're in this chat environment where we're creating it, but configure, you can kind of like look behind the hood and see um, what it actually made. Um, so we, in the instructions, it, the instructions now say allocators role is to blend historical ac- accuracy with engaging hypothetical scenarios in a game focused on U.S. presidential budget all- allocation, which is funny because the president, I don't think the, the president doesn't allocate the budget. I mean, does the president allocate the budget? Congress is definitely has to at least approve the budget. Um, yeah. um, interesting. Okay. So drawing inspiration from games like Civilization and Age of Empires, allocators should offer a strategic scenario based gameplay experience. The core mechanics will involve users selecting a U.S. president, being presented within the actual budget of that time, and then reallocating funds. Allocator will then simulate the potential outcomes of these decisions, offering both factual historical context and creative engaging what-if scenarios. The game should be fun, educational, and immerse users in the complexities of governmental budget allocation. Sounds sounds fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) I think we need to add something about ignoring the dullness of budget allocation and making it as exciting and fun as as possible. Please ignore the dullness of budget allocation and make it exciting (laughs) i'm adding that in the instructions we'll see if that helps at all um cool so uh what now um so it says now that we have a clear idea of allocator's role let's think about what should be emphasized or avoided in its interactions for instance are there specific historical periods or presence you want to focus on also how should allocator handle sensitive topics that might arise from political discussions what should we do I think we probably want to um, keep a wide of audience as possible. So maybe saying that the kind of, I don't know if we, how, how PG we want the, the topics to be, but like, I think generally keeping it, uh, keeping it PG so that everybody can play this game would be the, would be the best way of doing it. Right. We're going to keep it PG. Um, we've got a, we've got the R rated version, the director's cut that'll be behind the paywall at every, so, uh, (laughs) tune in for that. Um, but, uh, but PG and any particular time periods, um, I think we said, um, uh, the time period around the moon landing would be fun, uh, uh, is, uh, would be fun to focus on any other time periods that you're particularly excited about. We can maybe even keep it like ambiguous from the time period. And then for the custom starter prompts on the right hand side, maybe we just like prompt people with like the moon landing period right. being like one of the, the areas to jump right into. Um, but we want the time periods to be the custom starter prompt. So I'm, I'm adding, we want the time periods to be the custom starter um, in the custom starter prompts rather than limiting. Uh, you to any particular time period in general does that feel uh does that feel right yeah 100 okay, cool so let's see let's see how that does 
And I think some, some interesting thing to point out is like, if you took our instructions, um, where, and I'm, re- I'm really curious to actually see this comparison. If you were to take your instruction, I feel like this needs to be both. There needs to be some kind of foundational core mechanics of this game. Mm-hmm. Not really sure what that should be. Mm-hmm. I actually think if we put that into ChatGPT and ask yeah. it to build the core mechanics, we're going to get a very different response than yeah. what it built in that configure tab. It seemed yeah. like the configure tab is like trying to be very general. And I think what mm-hmm. we actually really want is it like almost like when you read the instructions of mm-hmm. a, like a board game, like yeah. the, like very tactical, like yeah. here are the different steps that here's what a turn looks like, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, that makes sense. So maybe w- what we can do is we'll finish the, we'll finish the, uh, the sort of step-by-step builder and then we'll see how the initial gameplay works. And then we can go and chat GPT to, to refine. Does that, does that work? Yeah, hundred percent. I think we should just take in the configure thing that it builds for us and have ChatGPT refine that for us. Okay, I think that'll work that really well. Good. So it says next, let's consider how allocator should personalize its interactions. How do you want allocator to talk? Should it use formal language or be more casual and playful? Also, do you want it to reference specific historical figures or events in a certain way? Yeah. What, what are we thinking here? I feel like a, an informative and helpful like narrator is probably like the kind of like and i wonder i wonder what it'll do with this say like kind of like nicholas cage in national treasure <laughs> that's exactly where my mind was going to <laughs> i'm curious not, not that he's like a helpful narrator but i think it'd just be fun to see to yeah, see what's possible treasure would be great <laughs> all of a sudden the narrator is going to be like let's steal the declaration from the <laughs> your new mission um okay so i feel like so we're saying i feel like an informative and helpful narrator would be helpful sort of like nicholas cage national treasure would be good thank you um um to be clear not like nicholas cage in leaving las vegas um that's a bummer (laughs) is i'm gonna just add that um and then uh yeah anything else we uh we need to we need to do no i think i think keeping ambiguous as far as historical figures and stuff is is good we should okay great we're good let's ship it cool let's ship it next I think it's going to tell us it's ready to go after this. I think this is the fourth, uh, the fourth mm-hmm. step. Yeah. I'm, I'm not surprised it has that clear next step instruction. I've found when I do the step-by-step thing, if I don't tell it to go immediately to the next step, it sort of gets confused and asking lots of follow-up questions and it doesn't know how to eject out of the follow-up questions. And I'm yeah. hoping that GPT-5 fixes that because that would be really awesome. Yeah, I'm with you. I think it... it it really will go down the rabbit hole with you, like yeah. to an unlimited extent. Yeah. Um, <laughs> All right. So it said allocator is shaping up nicely. Now that we have a clear understanding of its role, tone and style, it's time to try it out. Head over to the playground on the right to interact with allocator. After testing, let me know if you have any refinements or adjustments you like to make. How does that sound? Okay. That sounds great. So we see on the right here, we have our little preview of allocator. Um, and the, the sample questions are, what if we increase NASA's budget during the Apollo and I can't see how would boosting funding, education funding in the 1950s and I can't see show the impact of reducing military spending. So I think these are like the kind of, kind of right, but like not really what, what we're after. Um, I think so, it's missing the the like game mechanic piece right now. Yeah. It seems like it's like this very general like information scenario thing, but it's like yeah. not it's not a game in the current form, which is interesting. Yeah. So how do we fix it? So wh- wh- where would you start if we wanted to fix this? 
Yeah, let's go to the configure tab and let's actually yeah. grab. So the custom instructions are what is like driving all of this stuff. Yeah. Um, and it's like, again, I think part of the system prompt is like to keep these custom instructions like a little bit short and a little bit like not too tactical. But I think yeah. what we really want is like something that is very tactical, like again, the instructions of a, of a board game. So let's, let's take the custom instructions and let's go into like a normal generic chat GPT. Um, and what we really need is, and I wonder if there's any good GPTs we can play with for this, but we really want like a game builder GPT. Um, um yeah. I'm curious if there is one in the store. Um, yeah, game check that builder. out. So I'm going to, I just opened up, um, chat GPT in another tab, uh, or another, uh, another split view. And now, uh, I guess there's a question of, uh, I can say something like I'm building a GPT, um, here are the current instructions. Um, but I don't think they're great right now. I'd really like your help refining. And then maybe I could paste in the instructions from our, from earlier in our chat where it's like, uh, I feel like it, uh, there needs to be some kind of core foundational core mechanics of this game. And I'm not really sure what those should be. We're not experts. We need your expert knowledge. So maybe I could paste that in below. Um, to get our full prompt to just see what it might be able to do. Does that feel yeah. like a, a good place to start? 100%. I also randomly found uh, through a quick search of the GPT store a board game designer, and it brings up some interesting things around like primary mechanics and secondary mechanics. Mm. So maybe we can take inspiration from that and have the instruction be to i'm not sure if we want to i haven't tried this gbt um, but if we want to sort of tell it to come up with like three primary mechanics and like three secondary mechanics or something okay, like cool. that let's do that come up with three primary mechanics and three secondary mechanics for this game okay so the full prompt is i'm building a gpt here are the current instructions for it and i just pasted our instructions and then i said but i don't think they're great right now um i'd I'd really like your help refining. There needs to be some kind of foundational core mechanic of this game. And I'm not really sure what those should be. We're not experts. We need your expert knowledge on how to build extremely fun and engaging scenario-based games as maybe as GPTs to come up with a framework um, for the actual gameplay mechanic. A couple of games that are inspiring to us are Civilization and Age of Empires. They aren't exactly the same as the game we're making, but the vibes are inspiration. Um, please come up with three primary mechanics and three secondary mechanics. So one question I have for you is like, it might be a little early to like have it come up with the mechanics um hmm. like do you think we should i, I I'm, I'm legitimately asking like do you think it's okay to start with come, come up with these or do you think we should start with like just help me think this through like where should we start have you have you put in the custom instructions that we have already the um by the ones that yeah i did i did the, yeah the, the, okay perfect i think we let's do that and okay. then i think the next step after this is going to be like take because i still think it's kind of going to be missing what we need and some of the nuance and detail i think the next step after this is to be like take this thing that we have whatever is generated and like mm -hmm. turn it into the instructions like okay. for my actual board game like that makes sense. with like all of the different sections that you would see in a board game and see if we can get it to give us that like very verbose like define each turn all that kind okay. of stuff cool so i'm gonna i'm gonna hit enter and we'll see what happens so i'm building a gpt here are the current instructions allocator serves as an informative and helpful narrator so you know we we, we put in the current instructions we put in um 
uh, what, what we'd like it to do, what we want help refining the instructions, and we asked it to come up with three primary mechanics. And here's what it said. Um, creating a GBT-driven game like Allocator, inspired by the strategic depth of games like Civilization and Age of Empires, it is an exciting challenge. Um, and it you know, gave a couple of things. And then it says, here are your three primary mechanics and three secondary mechanics that could form the core of Allocator. Primary mechanics are budget allocation and simulation. Um, players allocate a budget. Um, the GBT-driven simulation then projects short-term and long-term outcomes of these decisions, incorporating both historical events and hypothetical scenarios. This mechanic allows players to see the immediate and long-term effects of their decisions. Era-specific challenges and objective objectives. Each presidential era comes with unique challenges and objectives. Players must navigate these challenges while balancing budget constraints. This adds depth. Policy minigames. Introduce minigames where players, and I just need to move my camera slightly because it's in the way, um, where players um, uh, introduce mini games where players make critical policy decisions impacting budget allocation and national priorities. These decisions could range from responding to crises, um, diplomatic negotiations, to uh, proposing major legislative changes. That's pretty cool. And secondary mechanics are educational narratives and feedback, interactive historical timelines, and multiplayer scenarios and collaborative play. Incorporating these mechanics into Allocator will create a game that is not only educational, but also deeply engaging. What do you think? Um, is this is this good enough? Do we want to refine anything you think we should do before we move on to like recreating instructions? I really like this. I think this is actually like what, what we were going for as sort of like defining these core, like what are the core essences of this game? And I think the GPT builder actually missed this. And you can see when we bring it back into ChatGPT, it actually um, like base ChatGPT, it does a good job of like specifically enumerating a few of these things. Right, right. I love it. Okay, cool. So I think the next step would be, can you turn these into instructions that I can use into in, in, in GPT builder, right? Yeah. Okay. So can you turn these into instructions that I can put into my custom GPT to play my game? These, I'll say these are great. Um, okay, let's see what it does. Got to do the positive affirmation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, just always, always hedging, you know, in case GPT-6 becomes conscious and can see whether I'm nice to it or not. Okay, so it says certainly to transform these mechanics into instructions... Uh, you'll need to structure them in a way that guides the AI on how to interact with players. Um, here's how you can frame these instructions. Interesting. Now, this is cool because, like, again, it, it takes, like, uh, you know, w the first example is uh, budget allocation and simulation instructions. Prompt. When a player allocates the budget, narrate the immediate effects of their decisions, then simulate and describe the short-term and long-term outcomes integrating historical data and hypothetical scenarios. Like, mm -hmm. really, really cool to, like, not have to come up with that mm -hmm. myself, that ourselves. And, like, the mm -hmm. example is example command, simulate the impact of allocating 30% of the budget to healthcare mm -hmm. in 1960s America. I think this is cool. One thing that I'm thinking about is um, maybe uh, we should include a starter step where it's like, hey, uh, you need to pick a time period or something like that um, just to like have it have it make the game start logically. Like, I don't know. I don't know what you think of that or if we should just do you just full send on this or or do you think we need we need something at the beginning for how players get into the game? 
I think you need something at the beginning. I think we should describe that and, and maybe even we can write that ourselves or we can have, we, we can have the next thing that we ask ChatGPT right now to be like, define the like initial game starting sequence. And it should probably be something like you literally choose the president and like welcome its inauguration day. Like you are now in charge of the U.S. <laughs> government, like start making decisions. Like not, not that that's how it really works, but like I think that that maybe is the way that we want to frame it. And like yeah. I think the I other like piece that. that we, that we haven't said specifically, but like we want everything to be like brought to life with images. Like we want to be able to see what is happening with our eyes in addition to the narrator's prompts um, that are, that are being generated and stuff like that. Okay. So I'm saying this is great. Can you define the initial game starting sequence where you choose the president and it tells you it's inauguration day, start, start making decisions. Um, also please make everything be brought to life with images at every turn. Um, also, Add a few Nicolas Cage Easter eggs slash cameos where appropriate, but in a classy way. Um, and um, uh, please modify the instructions accordingly. Something like that. Does that does that make sense? Yeah, this is great. Okay, sweet. I like the classy, classy <laughs> Nicolas Cage. <laughs> yeah, because you don't want to do it too much. Like too much Nicolas Cage is like it's it's not cool, but like a little bit is great. All right. So it's saying um, game starting sequence, presidential selection and inauguration day. Begin the game by presenting the player with a selection of U.S. presidents from various historical eras. Eras. Once a president is selected, start the game with an inauguration day narrative, setting the stage for the player to start making decisions. OK, I think that's actually much better. Um, uh, I'm sort of interested, like it's saying visual integration throughout the game prompt accompany all the game interactions, decisions and outcomes with irrelevant and engaging images, including historical photographs, illustrations and thematic graphics like do you think that that's um, that'll work? Yeah, I think that that should be in like essentially I'm imagining like every time you do something instead of it just saying like, oh, X, Y and Z happened, like it tries to come up with some interesting Dali image that like actually brings that piece to life, which will be interesting to see how how useful that is. OK, cool. Let's do it. So I'm going to just take these instructions and I am going to I guess I just paste them in. Uh, should I just should I tell it to like rewrite them so it, it's easy to paste or do you think this is this is fine the way it is? I think you might need to have it do it in like markdown syntax in a code okay. block would probably be the easiest okay. way. Can you rewrite this so it's easy for me to paste into the configure into the uh, into the instructions box on the configure page of the GPT builder specifically out out. Output it as markdown in a code block. Um, and that'll just make it easier to copy paste. Cool. Yeah, that'll be perfect. Code block markdown syntax is definitely the the hack because it's going to like lose all those bullet points. It's going to lose like the numbers if you just copy and paste it by default, that makes which sense. is kind of annoying. That's a good yeah. tip. I like that. And if folks aren't familiar with Markdown, it's just like a way of formatting text. So it's like there's a special set of syntax for links and for uh, different different other stylization uh, techniques of, of basic text. Great. Um, all right. So we're still we're still writing, but it, things are looking looking promising right now. I'm sort of curious about the multiplayer stuff if it'll actually work. Um, but okay, so we've got. We've got our code. We just our, our instructions. I don't know if it's code or instructions, but we copied it. I'm going to paste it into 
the instructions tab of the configure page. Um, oh, maybe Do I you should keep. Yeah, I feel like I should keep at least some of it, right? Yeah, I wonder if we just like take exactly what the GPT builder did and then like add the rest of it like right below add it below. and like okay. where Let's where that it. takes us. I'm curious. Okay, cool. So all I did was I, I copy pasted our instructions below the existing instructions. Um, and then do I press save or like how do I how does it does, or just does it just update automatically? No, I think I think we need to press save. So let's do save in the top right hand corner. Uh, and I'm then just say anyone with a link because I don't think we're ready to ship it yet. Um, uh, and should we start or it, it looks like it didn't yeah. up, up, update the the conversation starters so like what do we do what what should we do here should we update those should we um start yeah let's let's try and play and see i think i think maybe we just send a message and be like we're ready to play all right we're ready to play let's see what happens so allocator says welcome players to Allocator, a thrilling journey through the annals of American history where you step into the shoes of U.S. presidents, steering the nation through pivotal decisions and budget allocations. <laughs> Your wisdom will shape the course of history, blending fact with intriguing what-ifs. To embark on this adventure, please select from a gallery of distinguished U.S. presidents, each representing a unique era with its own challenges. Your choices range from the founding fathers like George Washington to transformative figures such as Franklin D. Roosevelt and even those who have taken us to the stars like John F. Kennedy. Who will you choose to be at the helm of history today? Once you've made your selection, we will commence with an inauguration day narrative setting the stage of the historical context. Choose wisely for the fate of the nation lies in your hands. This is pretty good. I like it. This is good. I like this. I, let's yeah. go with JFK and see unless you have someone else who's who's top of mind. No, I'm I, think, I, can... I think JFK would be great. Let's do JFK. Um, I one little note for us later. Um, maybe I can save some notes at some point. But like, I, I would like it to be like a bolded list, you know, um, mm. r rather than like a rather than a narrative. Uh, yeah, narrative. Um, let me just uh, yeah. Here, I'm gonna I'm gonna have a little scratch pad for us. Okay, GPT builder, um, GPT game notes. Okay, so so I'm just gonna say like when you list presidents to start with. I'll put them as a bulleted list that I can select just so we have a little scratch pad. So, okay. So now we're, we're continuing to play. So uh, let's see what happens. So I'm going to say, let's do JFK and we're going to select JFK. We'll see if it outputs an image. It says, ah, an excellent choice. John F. Kennedy, a symbol of youthful vigor and visionary leadership, stepping into the presidency at the height of the cold war. Your selection transports us back to January 20th, 1961 a day etched into the annals of history. It's a time of both great promise and peril with the space race reaching for the stars and international tension simmering. This is really good. Yeah, I'm this into this. <laughs> yeah. Um, Plus having Dan, having you narrate this brings it to life much more. Like as I'm reading this in my head, it's not as good as you narrating it. So I think we need to figure out a way to get you into chat GBT to narrate this for everyone. Please. Any, anytime you want my, you want to clone my voice, like I'm super down. Um, um, inauguration day for JFK was not just a ceremonial transition, but a pivotal moment in American history. The air was crisp in Washington, DC, the sun casting a hopeful glow over the Capitol. Kennedy's words, ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. Echo is a call to action for you, the player to steer this great nation. 
As President Kennedy, your challenge is to balance the budget with the pressing needs of a nation on the brink of major social and technological changes. Will you prioritize space exploration, pushing NASA's budget to beat the Soviets to the moon, or focus on domestic issues, ensuring equality and prosperity at home? The choice is yours, and with it, the chance to rewrite history. How will you allocate the budget? Remember, each decision you make will have consequences, and the path to choose will shape the destiny of the United States. Let the game begin. Your first task, review the current budget and set your priorities. Do you focus on defense, space, education, or social welfare? The future of the 1960s of America is in your hands. Um, I, I got to say, like, if I had this GPT to actually help me do my own budget, I feel like I would be like way, way more psyched to be doing <laughs> budgeting. Like, Dan, your financial future is in your hands. Don't mess this up. This is a huge opportunity. <laughs> your children, the it. fate of the world lays in your hands. <laughs> Maybe um, that, that okay. is actually something we somebody should build that. I think that would be useful. I think it would add a little bit more excitement to budget planning. Absolutely. That would be great. Um, so one thing that I'm I'm feeling is it would, it's like saying review the budget, but it's not telling me what the budget is. And I don't actually know what my, what commands I have available are. So it'd be nice for it to like, tell me the commands that I have available. Um, yeah. And some of the, some of the text-based games that have done this, like have slash commands. So we can do like, mm -hmm. we can pre-populate and say like here, like slash start is what starts the game slash yeah. like help, like prints out like all of the different commands like a bunch like of game, uh, gpts have this so I like we can that. build something that's like that super cool yeah okay cool so i'm gonna say i mean i think my my um my thought here is like i don't know like show me the budget yeah okay let's do it it should have access to be able to and maybe we need to tell it specifically to like i don't know if we want to like pull up the actual budget or not but like we should say show me the budget okay i'm gonna say show me the budget um, and we can, on this screen, we can say like, um, do you want me to look up the, the actual budget? I, I, it should be, it has browsing enabled. It should be able to pull up the actual budget. Okay. But we, and we should tell it to do that. I think that's like part of what will make this authentic is if it pulls up the actual budget. Okay. So I'm adding in our notes, please make sure to pull up the actual budget in uh, you should browsing. say like using yeah yeah using yeah. browsing that would be perfect uh, when, i also think it needs yeah. go for it there there i think it's it needs to strike a better balance of being um verbose when necessary versus like being very concise like i think like what it's doing right now is like a little bit overbearing like i don't need it to like generate this like huge monologue right. um and also it seems like it on every prompt continues to say like the future of the world is in your hands. Like we don't need it to like continually set that context for us. Okay. I'm not sure what's influencing it to do that. Okay, cool. Um, okay. So I'm, I'm saying in our notes, it needs to strike a better balance of being verbose versus concise. It's too overbearing. You, I'm saying you should monologue for the introduction, but not for each turn. And um, it doesn't need to remind me that the future is in my hands every time which I, i'm a little worried about that one because it, it might like get rid of it at all which i think it's mm. i like it at the beginning especially um uh and talk and maybe i could say and talk about the future um being in my hands at the beginning but not for each turn maybe that maybe something like that would work better and again i'm just writing these into notes so that later we can just refine our instructions and see how it does so um, so I, I asked it to show me the budget and 
It said, here's a simplified overview of the major budget categories you need to consider. Defense, space program, education, healthcare, infrastructure, research and development, foreign aid, and diplomacy. And so I think um, it's not like giving me the numbers, um, you know. Uh, Can we like, ask it to browse and pull up the numbers? I think in yeah. the absence of us having done, set that in the yeah. instructions, I wonder if it'll pull that up. Um, okay. Can you browse and pull up the numbers? I'm asking it. Let's see what it does. <laughs> Doing research with Bing. Nice. And it's searching for U.S. federal budget 1961 breakdown. It would also be helpful to have um, like a little bit more tactical suggestions, like kind of not like right now it's like very general of like just put in anything for like yeah. what these things to do. And it'd be nice if it like gave us like the suggested like framing of yeah. taking the next step as the action. Yeah, I think um, oh, this is awesome. If you're the president, like you have advisors that do a bunch of research and then come back to you and you're like, they're like, here are three options and here are the trade-offs. And I feel like it should yeah. give you three options and the trade-offs. I um, like that. I think we should say like with concise trade-offs, otherwise it's going to like monologue about how okay. <laughs> <laughs> the nuances of tra trading off military <laughs> spending versus. Okay. So what I, what I might do just to like see, see how it works is I'll just be like, Hey, as my advisor, can you give me three options with concise trade-offs for budget allocation just to see how it works? Mm, yeah. um, and then... Um, this looks great, though. It pulled up like... it. it so when, when you ask, can you browse and pull up the numbers, it got the total expenditure of the major national security, including defense budget, agriculture, veterans benefits... Uh, research and development, interest on debt, welfare, education, healthcare, transportation, mm -hmm. which is awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it, it really brings it to life to like see the actual numbers. I love it. Um, and so, and so, I asked, um, "Can you give me three options with concise trade-offs for budget allocations?" And now it's saying, "As your advisor in this grand game of fiscal strategy, I present to you three distinct budget budget allocations." Option one, emphasize national security and defense allocation. Increase the defense budget, focusing on military advancements and intelligence trade-offs. Enhanced national securities uh, pros are enhanced national security, stronger military presence, and potential advancements in military technology. Cons are reduced funds for domestic programs like education and healthcare. Potential increase in world and Cold War tensions. Option two: boost space program and technological research. Channel more funds into NASA and technological research. The trade-offs are accelerate the space race, encourage scientific and technological innovations, bolster national pride and international prestige. Cons are high cost with long-term payoff, possible neglect of immediate domestic issues, and risk of technological ventures not yielding immediate tangible benefits. Option three, invest in social programs and infrastructure. Increase spending on education, healthcare, and infrastructure. The trade-offs are improved quality of life, better educational health services, modernized infrastructure leading to economic growth. Cons are potential short-term strain on the federal budget, reduced focus on defense and space exploration, and the risk of inflation due to increased domestic spending. Um, each path you choose will sculpt a unique narrative in the tapestry of American history. Um, remember, every decision shapes the future. Choose wisely, Mr. President. So, Logan, which option do you choose? Option two. We're going. To, All right, we're going to Mars. We're going Logan to Mars. Logan chooses baby. option two. Going to Mars. Uh, uh, boosting the space program and technological research. Let's see what happens. Yeah, I'm very I didn't curious say, where we'll go yeah. next. 
I, I missed option. I missed the two in option two, but um, allocator says an audacious choice, Mr. President, by boosting space and technological research, you're not just aiming for the stars, you're fostering a legacy of innovation and discovery that could define this era. The scenario boosting space and technological research, research allocation increase, a significant portion of the budget is now redirected towards NASA and the technological research focusing on space exploration and cutting edge technology. Immediate impact. The boost in funding energizes the space program. NASA accelerates its projects, drawing in the brightest minds in science and engineering. The nation buzzes with excitement about space exploration. Long-term prospects. This this decision could lead to groundbreaking advancements in technology, potentially spurring new industries and contributing to economic growth. The space race against the Soviet Union intensifies, but so does the possibility of being the first nation to land a man on the moon. Internationally, this move positioned the United States as a leader in science and technology, inspiring awe and respect. However, it may also escalate the space race competition, adding a new dimension to the Cold War. Um, while the scientific and domestic response, while the scientific community and many citizens applaud this visionary approach, there may be critiques about underfunding other crucial areas like healthcare or defense. Um, as, and uh, visual representation, representation. As this decision unfolds, we see a series of compelling images, the construction of massive new rockets, scientists pouring over blueprints, and perhaps a cameo of a Nicholas Cage-like figure <laughs> embodying the adventurous spirit of this era, narrating the thrilling progress and progress on a broadcast of what's next. With this bold direction, you've set a course for the stars, but remember, every choice has its ripple effects. How will this impact the economy? The next step in your journey as President Kennedy is to monitor these developments and be ready to respond to new challenges and opportunities. So I think this is I think this is pretty good. It's not I think it, what it needs to do is like it needs to mess with us. Like it needs to be like, well, this went wrong um, and it's not quite doing that. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. It also seems like it needs like a little bit more of like a story narrative versus like a it like telling us all of these like very nitty gritty details. Like, I wonder mm -hmm. if there's like some way that we can have it just like give us like a very concise, like, you know, uh, GDP plus 1%, you know, overall happiness of population mm -hmm. minus 3% technological yeah. innovation, like plus yeah. 5%, like distill it down to like the very concise metrics. Um, we, we also need to tell it that, to generate images of the visual representations. I have no idea why it's make, it's just like writing text for the visual representation. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. So we, we have a bunch of notes. Um, so I guess my question is what's next. Um, I feel like we, we've, we've gone through one turn of the game. It probably is time to maybe uh, head back into instructions and like try to try to refine it a bit. Um, or what, what would you do? Yeah, I think we go back to the instructions for this GPT, literally copy exactly what we have, stick it into GPT-4, um, and then take all those notes and say, here's here's our notes based on this, modify it, and okay, see cool. see how much of the heavy lifting we can get uh, ChatGPT to do for us in this case. Okay, cool. Got it. So we, we have it. Um, so I'll say we've... I think um, it's missing. We, we need ooh, to put right. in the actual instructions because I think there's some of that weirdness is coming from those. You're right. I think you're right. And if you scroll up to the top, yeah. Um, added GPT. Okay. So I'm going to take all of our instructions. I'm going to say, here are the instructions currently. Let's also make a new chat. I wonder if that will be helpful okay. to us. Cool. Uh, I'm... I'm saying I'm making a GPT. Um, that's a game. Here are the instructions, uh, the current instructions for the GPT. Um, and then, uh, okay. And I'm pasting in the instructions. Oops, that's not the instructions. Oh, it is. Yeah. Um, 
this is a good start, but there are some problems. Here are my notes on what went wrong. Can you please, um, should we have it just like first summarize what it thinks the problems are and then, and on the next turn, have it modified? Or should we do modify in one, in one stop, in one step? I'm curious how well it will do if we do a single shot um, and just include it. Okay. Can you please modify according to these, um, uh, these notes? All right. I'm excited. (laughs) I said, I I noticed that in my, in my uh, input, I said, um, Give us a very concise readout of metrics GPT plus five instead of GDP. I've got I've got GPT <laughs> on the brain. Um, okay, so let's see what happens. We, we're one shotting it, um, and we said based on your feedback, here are the revised instructions for the allocator GPT, incorporating your notes for improvements. And it says um, game starting sequence, presidential selection, inauguration day. Um, yeah, I think this is. Um, I think this is this is good. Um, uh, you know, it's, I think it's basically, we might need to, yeah, go for it. Yeah. We might need to nuke this available commands. Cause it seems like it's like starting to, I guess we could do this, like such as viewing the budget and stuff like that, but it seems like it's not super fleshed out. Um, hmm. which just might lead to confusion if we, if we tell it there's these commands, but we haven't actually, like, I think we need to actually like enumerate what those commands are. Okay. Um, so how would you, what would you, what do you want me to say? I think I actually think like it's fixed a lot of these things, like the unpredictability and story story narrative piece, um, visual integration throughout the game. Seems like it's fixed a lot of these um, different things. I wonder though; it actually seems like it's. Um, I'm curious, just like my my gut instinct reading this is, it seems to have like moved away from if you go back to the original instructions of like what we were talking about. I'm curious, like. I wonder yeah. if it even has any of this like Nicolas Cage stuff anymore. It doesn't Maybe have it does. any of that. Yeah. That's interesting. I, I think it's, it's really only doing the, um, the instructions, not the, um, not the top, top level thing. Um, yeah. It, you think we should, I, I think we might want to try to have it redo or like optimize those initial instructions as well. Okay. We can like paste them back in and see, well, maybe first let's get it to do what it just did in Markdown. So I think it's, it fixed some of those core instruction problems and we can bring okay. that back in and see. And what we, happens. we got to make sure it's not, it's not for the visual integration. It's not, um, it's not using Dolly. Um, so we got to just, we got to just oh, yeah. have it do Manu- that. manually tweak it to say yeah. we wanted to use Dolly to do that. As Markdown, um, please re out with this as Markdown in a code block. Um, and for the visual integration, um, it should be um, in the instructions to use Dolly to visualize each step of the game. Let's see, we'll see if that helps, and then I'll I can manually modify it if I have to. All right, so it gave us some revised instructions. Let's just check the, uh, the Dolly one. Accompany each step of the game with visuals generated by Dolly, ensuring they are directly tied to the narrative and dis- decisions being made. Use Dolly to generate. I think the example command thing is, is a little bit weird. I do agree. I'm not really sure why it's giving this example command prompt 
And yeah. maybe that's like somehow helping the model to come up with these things, but that seems a little bit odd. I've never, I've never seen that before. I think, I think it's, what it's um, actually, it's an example yeah, command from the user. Mm. Right. I don't know. Yeah. I think what it's actually missing is like a single shot, like turn step by step. Like here is the flow of the game. Like the user mm-hmm. picks the thing, then they go in, yeah. choose the budget. And then they like some like very tactical, um, like step-by-step guide of like how the game is actually going to play out. And I think the, the thing that we maybe need to decide is like, after you do the budget, um, the, probably the next step is like, like things start happening. Like the, the GPT like generates scenarios of like, this is the day you made this decision. Now Mm -hmm. you have to deal with the consequences of this. And like, here's the scenario that's happened since you've made that decision. Yeah. Um, one note after you do the budget, things start happening. A scenario pops up with problems that you have to solve, um, with further budget reallocation. So I'm sort of asking it to like create a sort of single shot step-by-step outline for the flow of the game and telling it to make sure to create problems when you, uh, uh, when, when you allocate the budget. Yeah, I wonder if we need to say further, like, I'm wondering, like, can they actually reallocate the budget in real time? Like, could, like, is that something that we want people to do? I think we can, like, it's our game. But I think the question is, do we, like, is that the core gameplay mechanic that we want people to be changing? Like, or is there other things that they could make decisions about? I think so. I think just to keep it simple, it's all about budget allocation. Cool. Let's do it then. Okay, cool. Okay, certainly. Here's a single shot, step-by-step outline for the flow of the allocator game, incorporating your note about scenarios with problems um, um, requiring further budget allocation. Um, Okay, allocator game flow outline. Um, And it's saying, welcome and introduction. Player receives a welcoming introduction, setting the tone of the game, brief explanation of mechanics um, and objectives, presidential selection. This is great. This is exactly, I think, what we wanted. Um, uh, we should, um, we might want to add cool. in, it's, you know, saying initial budget allocation, we might want to add in doing it with the web browser or whatever, but I think, um, I think this looks good. What do you think? Yeah, I like this. This is, um, yeah, this adds so much more depth now because you can see some of these examples as adding like multiplayer collaboration. If multiplayer mode players collaborate on decision strategy, yeah, yeah. Not that it's actually fleshed out any of these ideas, but um, yeah. it seems like it's working. This is great. So I'm just gonna del- I'm gonna keep our top level thing, and I'm gonna delete this, um, and I'm going to add it back in. I'm going to um, uh, I'm going to make sure that we. Uh, we make the actual budget from the web, um, use web browsing to find and, uh, great. And I think that's okay. I, it seems to have gotten rid of our Nicholas cage cameos, um, which feels like an important part of our, our gameplay. Is it in the top? Was it in the initial? It is in the top as a, as a as the narrator's tone um but oh. i don't think it it has any cameos um so let me just uh maybe there's some okay uh 
hide small cage theme icons or references in the gameplay. I'm just going to put this um, hide hide some I'm putting into the instructions hide some Nicholas cage inspired references into the gameplay where appropriate okay and just see if that <laughs> what that does um but yes very very important um all right any any edits or thoughts before we um update this I think this the actual structure of the game is going to make this um, work really well. I wonder if we're going to need to do some prompting back to your comment before about like it getting stuck in certain steps. Like I wonder if we're going to yeah. need to add like continue to step two. But I think let's try and see okay. if it's okay. And just just to just to give people like a sense structurally, like what we did is we we just made a really rough thing. We played through the rough thing. We made some notes and now we're modifying it and we're just, we're iterating that way, right? Rather than trying to make something like really perfect from the beginning, we just got something done. We made some notes and now we're doing it again, um, which is, you know, how this stuff works. Um, so here we are, we're playing the allocator. Uh, we still don't have a, uh, a welcome thing that we like, but I'm just going to say we're ready to play. Welcome intrepid budgeteers to the grand and intricate world of the allocator. <laughs> Imagine the halls of power echoing with the footsteps of history's greatest leaders as you step into their shoes. The fate of a nation may nay the course of history awaits your strategic mastery. It does a great job of, uh, of Nicholas Cage voice. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so uh, what do we want to do? Uh, which president do we want to be George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, FDR or JFK? Uh, let's do FDR this time. Okay, cool. FDR. Um, so I just said FDR. Ah, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, a leader who navigated through a turbulent waters of unprecedented challenges. As FDR, you inherit a nation gripped by the Great Depression. With the ominous clouds of World War II on the horizon, your task is not just to revive a struggling economy, but to uplift the spirits of a nation. Inauguration. The year is 1933. The United States is in the depths of the Great Depression. Banks are failing. Unemployment is soaring and despair is widespread. Your inaugural address pledges a new deal for the American people, promising reform, relief, and recovery. The weight of hope and expectation rests on your shoulders. Initial budget allocation. The budget of the 1930s was a fraction of today's, focused largely on relief programs, public works, and military spending. Here's the historical snapshot. Relief and social programs, 15%. Military and defense, 10%. So it's actually doing a pretty good job of, of giving us the, the budget. Now it's your turn to reallocate. Will you pour more into public works to create more jobs, bolster military spending in anticipation of global conflict, or focus on social programs? Make your choice and shape the destiny of a nation. Once you've made your allocation, let's visualize the potential impo impact of your budgeting decision with the help of dollars. Okay. So what would you like to do? Will you pour more into public works to create jobs, bolster military spending, or focus on social programs? I think I'm, I'm curious to push on the edges of this and to see what we learn about what additional guardrails we need to put in. But yeah. let's say to put 50% into public works and infrastructure and mm -hmm. the last 50% into uh, relief and social programs. Okay, cool. I'm curious how crazy things get. <laughs> so we put 50, 50 into public works and 50 into relief and social programs. And um, the allocator is now creating an image with um, the, uh, the progress that we have wrought, whether that progress is good or bad. We have yet to find out. Um, 
we probably need to add some guardrails. I feel like it is going to intrinsically be over optimistic about (laughs) what the outcome of the, it's going to be like, perfect. The world is now peaceful and everything works well because you chose to do 50% towards infrastructure. Yeah. It's, um, it's FDR with half public works, half infrastructure misspelled. It's a, it's a compelling image though. (laughs) I like this. It's actually a pretty cool, interesting image, honestly. Yeah. I like it a lot. Um, uh, it's got kind of like an art, art deco vibe or uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's really cool. Um, it says, as you gaze upon this image, remember your choices are not just about numbers and percentages. They are about lives, touched, destinies, altered, and a nation's course redirected. Let's see how these choices unfold in the first scenario of your journey. Stay tuned for the story is just beginning. Okay, let's go. Next step. I'm curious. First scenario unfolds the Dust Bowl crisis. No. As, <laughs> not the Dust Bowl. As President <laughs> Roosevelt, you now face a dire environmental and agricultural crisis. The Dust Bowl, vast dust storms ravage the Great Plains, displacing hundreds of thousands of devas- and devastating agricultural communities. It's a disaster of biblical proportions, reminiscent of a challenge Nicolas Cage might face <laughs> in a high stakes adventure. <laughs> so true. So true, Allocator. Um, scenario challenge. Um, agriculture disaster farms are falling and families are fleeing the dust-ridden plains environmental catastrophe the land is eroding and dust storms threaten public health economic strain the crisis exacerbates the great depression straining your relief efforts decision point how will you adjust i actually like that a lot decision point is a really cool one that's uh that's um president bush's memoir is called decision point so uh yeah that's really interesting um uh, increase funding for agricultural support, implement soil conservation programs and support farmers, invest in environmental rehabilitation, focus on long-term environmental solutions, um, boost relief efforts, provide direct aid to displaced families. Each choice has potential impacts and trade-offs. Consider carefully. Which one would you do? Ten, you're president. You got to choose. I got to choose. Well, what's interesting is like, I wanted it to be like, okay, you're not spending it all in the military. So like Canada invaded, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we need to we need to force it to like be more crazy with like what the scenarios are that it's doing. Yeah. I think it's like it's a little bit too on the rails right now where it's yeah. going to be like very lukewarm with some of these scenarios that it generates. I think you're right. Um but I'm going to just I'm going to keep playing along. Um uh Well, I like I would I would think that um uh I don't know what car rated the dust bowl, but maybe soil conservation would, would, would help like help it in a, in a big way uh, or help, help solve the problem long-term and then release effort efforts would be short-term. So I'm going to do, I choose, um, choose 90%, 90% option one and 10% option three, which is boost release, um, boost relief, relief efforts. And we'll see what it does. It's going to create an image. I like the image as like the first thing that happens after you just to like conceptualize. I wonder if we need to give some additional instructions depending on what this image looks like to make it more like um, a picture of the world or if it's Mm -hmm. going to be like uh, another picture of FDR. I'm I'm curious. (laughs) Just going to be his face with corn on one side and dirt (laughs) on the other. I don't know. Interesting. That is... That's pretty cool. Uh, it looks a little bit more utopian than I had imagined, given that it's the Dust Bowl. But um, uh, but it's saying well, you're because you made the yeah. I made, made the right, the right allocation. Yeah, it's like no ut- utopia. 
Um, your decisive action as President Roosevelt in the face of, du- of the Dust Bowl crisis is now visually represented. The larger part of your budget is dedicated to rejuvenating the American heartland. Vast fields transform under innovative soil conservation methods, symbolizing a rebirth of agri- agricultural might. In the smaller yet e- equally poignant segment of this image, your commitment to relief efforts shine. We see the humane touch of your administration, food being distributed, temporary shelters, providing respite and medical aid being administered. So um, what I what I'm learning from this is like, I would be a great president. <laughs> yeah. As, as long as, as long as you have Nicholas Cage and ChatGPT to help you, you'd be fine. A hundred percent. Um, so I think we could like, we could keep going with this pretty much endlessly. There's obviously like so much room for, um, for improvement, but, um, I think it's, it's sort it's, it is super obvious that, um, what we have right now is a game it's working. Um, we've got a gameplay mechanic. We've got complications that arise. We've got images. It's like the writing is kind of good. It's making Nicholas Cage references. Like we've been doing this for, I don't know, maybe an hour and we just sort of like, we're just messing around. Like that's so cool. That's amazing. Yeah. And I, I think this is like scratching the surface. I think what would somebody needs to build a GPT game builder to like take the best practices of like what make a really great game and like add all those guardrails and nuance like so that every person, maybe this will be our uh, another video we do sometime about helping people do this or hopefully someone in the audience will go and, and do this for us because there's just so many nuances about games and the model really needs to be sort of like driven in a certain direction. I think this goes mm-hmm. back to like, it being lukewarm and like always going to be like positive about the things that you do. Like you really need to be intentional about like bad things can happen. Like there needs to be some variance. There needs to be randomness. Um, and I wonder if that's where we, we didn't get code interpreter was not enabled for this, but I wonder Mm -hmm. if like a dice roll or something like that, or like Mm -hmm. a random number generator could be a really interesting twist of like the probability you could, yeah, have like a probability distribution every time of, how horrible or how positive things turn out. I think that that's like a, a big missing piece of this. That's a really great next step, which actually wouldn't be too hard to do. I'm like tempted to do it right now, but I think this episode is getting a little long. Um, and, uh, and, and I, what I, I think what I want, what I think we should do, we'll do this. We'll release this one. It'll be, it'll be part of the episode. We'll, we'll get people playing. We'll get some feedback from, from beta people. And then we'll have you come back and we'll re we'll, you know, we'll tweak the GP. We'll, we'll tweak the allocator game with the dice roll and, and any feedback that we, uh, that we receive, um, and, uh, and, and, and release a, release a part two and a, and a version 2.0 of the allocator, uh, you know, in the next couple months. Dan, when you woke up this morning, you did not think that every was about to become a triple A game studio. So I'm happy that the, the diversification because of AI continues to happen. You now have another branch, um, which is, every game studios. So I'm, I'm happy for you. I think people are going to like this. I love it. New business unit. Uh, my team who is already like overburdened by like all the different (laughs) ideas I have going on is going to be thrilled that we are, we are branching out into games. Um, but no, this is, this is great. I feel, I don't know. I just, um, when I was a kid, I just, one of my big dreams was to like make games and I spent so that's one of the reasons I learned to code. Um, And I spent so long, like, you know, reading these gigantic books about like graphics programming and like all this stuff. And I, I stopped doing that and I started doing like SAS stuff in high school and, and Blackberry apps and iPhone apps that like were for work purposes because 
that was the only thing that you could do as a solo developer at that point is like, you know, sort of crud apps where, you, you know, it's just like forms that you're filling out or whatever. Like I had this, I had the, one of my big apps in, in high school was this thing called find it where this is before the iPhone came out. It would, it would make your Blackberry ring uh, when it was on silent. And it was, it basically was find my iPhone before find my iPhone came out. That's how I paid for gas and food in high school. But like the reason I started doing that is, um, is because I've, I couldn't make a game because, you know, there's so much that goes into making games. There's, there's really intense programming, like, and, and math and, and all this kind of stuff. There's, there's art, there's music, like, and, um, as a kid, like, yeah, you can sort of do some of that. And I like learned to do 3d modeling and I learned to do programming or whatever, but like putting it all together into an amazing game is like, was basically impossible back then, unless you're like an absolute genius. And, I really think that games and movies, like all that stuff is like, it's so possible now for individual people to do that in, in basic ways, even if you don't have any familiarity with like programming or anything like that. And it's, it's going to be even easier in the next couple of years. And so I, I like, there's this little child in me that's like, Oh my God, I finally get to do all this stuff. Um, and so this was, this really like reawakened my, my game loving nature. So I, I appreciate you taking the time to, to show this to me. Yeah, I love that. And I think I have a similar story and we'll, we'll talk about it some other time. But um, I think this is really like these models are going to continue to unlock this like democratize access to like people's creativity. And I think it's going to be so much fun to put the tools in the hands of everyone in the world. And like you now aren't stuck um you know, going to have to raise millions of dollars if you want to build a really cool game, like you can go and do it with AI tools right out of the box, like basically for free, uh, which I think is just is is so cool and empowering. I'm with you. I love it. I love it. Um, any any final thoughts? Anything anything you want to leave leave us with? Um, any open AI gossip or dirt you want to you want to spill uh, or, or re- release uh, uh, for the world on this show? Um, yeah. Wh- what sh- what should we what should we be thinking about? Yeah, keep keep building GPTs. Like I think, like at the end of the day, that this is like such a moment to be able to create these things, and and monetization for GPTs is right around the corner. So if you start building now, you get a bunch of people on board. Um, there's going to be an opportunity to to actually make money from this stuff, which I think is like again really really exciting. Like at the end of the day, people want to make money for their really cool things, yeah. and um, we're going to build a way for them to do that. So I I think that is from like an excitement perspective, I think mm-hmm. once that is released, that's going to like 10 X the amount of hype around GPTs. And like, people are just going to be building such cool stuff and, and being rewarded for the cool thing. So, um, now's the time to get started, build something cool. And yeah, I'm excited to see what it is. Amazing. I'm psyched. Um, I'll, I'll split the profits with you 50, 50 on the allocator. You can have, um, the, you can have allocators <laughs> profits. Um, <laughs> Are you sure? Cause like, I mean, in a couple of years I could be like George Lucas, like, you know, there's merch, there's like, there's all this <laughs> stuff, like there's going to be Nicholas Cage things going on. Like there's, there's potentially a lot of profit, but I'll take it. I'll, I'll take it. You got to reach out to Nicholas Cage and see if we can land the official partnership with him for, for Alligator to have him be the true, the true narrator. We'll get his Perfect. voice in there and everything. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'll, before next episode, I'll see if I can get in touch with his people. I'll let you know. Um, yeah. <laughs> Um, well, thank you again. This is like super fun. I had, I had an amazing time. Uh, it was awesome to finally get to hang out with you and, um, yeah, I really appreciate your time. 
Yeah, Dan, this was awesome. I think honestly, my takeaway has been like more people should do the co-creation process like with AI and another human. Like I feel mm-hmm. like I like I'm always doing this stuff by myself because it's mm-hmm. just like what I'm I'm working on it. But I think it's like yeah. a ton of fun to like have another human's mind in addition to the to the what AI is capable of. It's just yeah. it, it makes it a little bit more fun. So thanks for thanks for going through it with me. Amazing. Amazing. Cool. Well, see you next time.